Hello, greetings and salutations. Welcome to the podcast that looks back at albums, movies and video games to ask anyone for seconds. I'm your host Dave. How are we doing? We all good? Are we prepared to get all body horror and squishy? This time we look at the forgotten sequel to David Cronenberg's seminal horror classic. It's only the fly too. Listen. Do you hear it? It's getting closer. Much closer. Don't be afraid. Be very, very afraid. You could finish your father's work. You're as brilliant as he was. Something odd is happening to me, and I don't know what it is. It's getting worse. I'm getting better. The Fly 2. Like father, like son. Why this one? Well, why not? While trawling the depths of the internet, I was curious. Had The Fly 2 ever been released on Blu-ray? I have no idea why this seed in my head had been planted, but it surely grew and I became obsessed with trying to find out. I spent an evening trying to find it. Fragments, whispers, until I had my answer. To my amazement, it had but it seemed to be out of print. I became obsessed at this point, scouring every website I could find to try and find myself a copy, until my mate eBay delivered the goods. And, oh, oh my, that's a lot of money for a film of questionable quality. Been several years since I've seen it, and I genuinely recall it being okay. I remember it for not being as good as the original, for reasons that will soon become apparent. Was it worth the gamble spending so much on and out of print Blu-ray that I may not even enjoy? Normally, such trivial things don't bother me, but in this instance, maybe I just better plug for the DVD. Could I find a DVD of The Fly 2 on its own without the original, as I inevitably already own that in a steelbook? Could I hell? I don't know what it seemed to be that day, but the world just seemed to hate me. Every time I put it in my basket to check out, it had been sold. Dear listener, don't fret. Because I did manage to get a copy called Flugan 2 from Sweden. Yep, not quite what I had in mind originally, but for some reason it's got a disc from the UK release in it. Is that a thing that happens only in Sweden? I don't know. Let me know because I'm actually quite genuinely curious about this. Anyway, seeing as my story of woe is told, Let's just jump straight and headfirst into, appropriately, a context dump. As you may have already guessed, The Fly 2 is a sequel to David Cronenberg's film, which itself was a remake of the 1958 film The Fly, which in turn was based off of a short story of the same name by George Langelan in 1957. With me so far? Good. So Cronenberg did not return to direct this film, as he sees all of his films as a one-and-done type deal meaning that every film has a definitive beginning, middle and end. 
Fair play to that man, I can't argue with that. Chris Whalers, the man who created the horrific Brundlefine makeup and effects in the original film, was tapped to direct the sequel by 20th Century Fox. It was only logical to get him to helm the feature, seeing as the original film won an Academy Award for its visceral and gory makeup effects. Now, legendary film director and screenwriter Frank Darabont was brought on board to write a script, from a treatment that was written by Jim and Ken Wheat, with elements of another treatment by Mick Garris making it into Darabont's screenplay. Ironically, Gina Davis was set to replay her role of Veronica, but later declined to appear after learning that her character would be killed off in the opening scenes of the film. Jeff Goldblum declined to appear as Jeff Brundle in this sequel, but did appear in archive footage later on by using a post-teleportation interview that was actually not used in the first film, but was refitted to be used in this film. In fact, the only returning cast for this film was John Getz, playing Stathis Borand, Veronica's editor. Moving on now, The Fly 2 released on the 10th of February 1989, opening on 1,524 screens in the USA and made just over $20 million during its initial domestic run. By the end of its release, it had made an estimated $38.9 million worldwide. That's not too bad considering that the original made just over $60 million worldwide, including a New Zealand-only re-release in 2020. The Fly 2 was met with negative reviews on its release, and currently sits at a score of 29% on review website Rotten Tomatoes, and has a score of 36 on review aggregator website Metacritic. The Fly 2 was met with negative reviews on its release and currently sits at a score of 29% on review website Rotten Tomatoes and has a score of 36 on review aggregator website Metacritic. This time, I've actually managed to find reviews from its initial release in 1989. Oh, how exciting! Thomas B. Harrison of Tampa Bay Times gave the film a score of 25, stating... The Fly 2 has virtually no surprises, unless you think of the revolting transformations and gruesome deaths as somehow revelatory. Susan Vloshina, I don't know if I'm saying that right, apologies for the butchery, of USA Today scored the film 38, stating, Even fans of the original directed by Scarefair King David Cronenberg won't get much of a buzz from this Son of the Fly sequel. It seems that wit and originality are traits that skip a generation. <laughs> pun. We like it. Juan Carlos Coto, again, apologies for the butchery of the name, of the Miami Herald scored the film 38 as well, stating, If heavy gore is your kind of entertainment, you'll get a buzz out of the fly too. But be warned, don't take a squeamish date. <laughs> buzz pun. Do you see what they did there? Finally, Joanne Steinmetz of the Chicago Tribune gave the film a score of 63, stating, The original dealt with a collision of intellect, destiny, and soul. This sequel is content to limit its concern to survival. Darwin might not approve. Seeing as it's a film episode, we should probably get a synopsis of the film itself, for those who may or may not have seen it. So we turn our attentions to IMDb. The almost human son of Brundlefly searches for a cure to his mutated genes while being monitored by a nefarious corporation that wishes to continue his father's experiments. Thank you, IMDb. So I think with all this in mind, I think it is time to ask anyone for seconds. Let's join the rewatch now. And we are go on 
Flugan 2, aka the Fly 2. I, I called it Flugan 2 because um, that's what the DVD case says. So, as I mentioned in my uh, context dump and my pre-context dump bit, I've got a Swedish DVD version of this film. I'm as confused as you are. So, as I said before, whenever I tried to buy it, every time it was being bought or whatever in in the basket, every time I put it in the basket, and but I've opened this up and it's got a UK DVD on it, complete with BBFC label, and I I don't know. It's very odd. But either way, we'll uh, we'll we'll go with it. So my history with the Fly Two is that I remember watching it. God, it must be about ten years ago, possibly longer. It would have definitely been about ten years ago though, because I distinctly remember buying a box set of the Fly One and Two from Blockbuster. <laughs> Which tells you how long ago that was. I even remember getting ID'd for it. Uh, yeah, so that, yeah. Sadly, I don't own that anymore, bec that box set anyway, because I upgraded the, the first... I upgraded the first film to Blu-ray. Because, of course... Of course I did. In a lovely steelbook. And the second one, yeah. I've had no inkling to watch until literally a couple of months back, a couple of weeks back. I uh, had this real um, sort of hankering to find out whether it was, uh, you know, whether it was um, on Blu-ray or not. I've got to say, right off the bat, though, we're literally about a minute, two minutes in now. So we've had a scene... Of Gina Davis's character, Ronnie Veronica. It's not actually Gina Davis. She looks a little bit like her, the actress they've got here. Uh, giving birth to a. It's like a pupa. I'm going to assume that's going to have. Ooh. It's all gooey and horrible. That's really cool. It's disgusting, don't get me wrong. Good lord, that is gooey and disgusting. Okay, so we're going for a um Yeah, okay. That was something I didn't mention in the uh context on, so it's just come up with Brooks Films Presents. So Brooks Films actually helped produce and finance the first remake. For those of you who don't know Brooks Films, he's actually Mel Brooks Company of Blading Saddles uh Young Frankenstein and all that sort of, all those sort of films. <laughs> but I think he kept his name off the poster just in case people thought it to be a comedy film, I think, was what I remember reading it as. Also as well, we've got Eric Stoltz. Memory serves, he originally played Marty McFly in... God, I've forgotten the name of the film. Back to the Future, that's the one. Before they recast him with... Uh... 
Oh god, my mind's gone blank. Before they recast him with... I keep wanting to call him Marty McFly. His name is not Marty McFly. Oh god damn it, what is his name? Uh, he's got Parkinson's. What is his name? Oh god, I can't remember. So I think the obvious thing we've got to address straight off the bat is what would you do with a fly sequel? Is this necessarily the way to do it? So as I said, we're we're a couple of minutes in already and we've essentially got a son of the fly story. So we can only assume that's Martin it's Martin Brundle, Seth Brundle from the first film, the, the titular Brundle or the titular fly is got Veronica pregnant and this is kind of his offspring and and already we're kind of seeing accelerated uh, accelerated life cycle already so he's like 11 months old but he's actually got the child of like a five-year-old and things like that it I don't I don't honestly know where I'd want to take a fly sequel because I mean it does I, I'm kind of in agreement with David Cronenberg in the first place in that the fly feels like a one and done film there's a clear structure to it there's a clear beginning middle and an end it doesn't feel like that there could be more kind of to it I wouldn't know where to honestly start but I think this is probably a good a way as any Unless necessarily you weren't going to kill the Gina character, the Gina Davis character at the start, and you have her fight the Bartok company. Michael J. Fox, that's his name. God, I've been sat here 20 minutes trying to figure out what the hell Martin McFly's name, the actor in Back to the Future, is. Michael J. Fox, bloody hell. It's been bugging me. I've been just trying to think about it. It's just, oh, Michael J. Fox. Do you know what? Eric Stoltz is not bad casting for this. He has a look of Jeff Goldblum about him. I can I can believe that he, he is his son. It's not bad. Like I say, it's not bad casting. Granted, what he's been given to work with so far is not exactly, shall we say, great. Because it all seems like right now a lot of exposition and speaking down to the audience and things so we can get to the main uh, thrusts and crust, uh, the main sort of thrust of the plot. Which I'm fine with. I don't mind that. And as well, within these first sort of 20 minutes that we've been exposed to so far, we've had a dog go through the teleportation unit and turn into a mutant, what can only be described as a vicious carpet type thing. 
that bit off a guy's hands that was sufficiently gooey and disgusting and bloody and horrible. <laughs> it was pretty affecting though. We've had the birth of Martin who came out in like a pupae pod out of his mother and I had to rip open the pod and that was sufficiently gooey and horrible and that was really quite cool looking. I think the main thing about this film is it's not going to be as necessarily as emotional or have an emotional core as good as the first film but the effects and such and the violence are going to be extremely on point. Are we not going to get an explanation as to why she was using an artificial fly, chucking it down the other end of an office, and effectively fishing? I, uh, okay. I know she said she likes a diversion, but it's... um. Okay. I, I get what they're trying to do. They're trying to emulate the first film by having a love story between Martin and this Beth Logan woman who works on a different floor working night shifts. I, I get what they're trying to do. I Part of me thinks because Ted, I know he's got the body of like a 20 year old or whatever, but technically he's only five. Part of me wants to think that actually he would be quite immature mentally even though he's got the identic memory and everything else uh, yeah I don't know I know technically he would I know he would go through puberty obviously earlier physiologically and things like that but I don't know whether hmm I don't know, I still think he would be still be a little bit immature. But I think I'm just kind of looking for flaws at this point, rather than kind of taking the film as it is. Really are trying to replicate the first film, because now we've got a really, really awkward sex scene between Martin and Beth Logan. Yes, I will be insisting on calling her Beth Logan because that's how he addresses her every time. As Beth Logan. Kind of feels a bit incestuous considering he's only actually technically five years old. I can see what they're going for because we're getting a really awkward sex scene here. It's like they're really trying to copy beats from the first film for sure, so... <laughs> That is such bullshit right there. You can tell this was an era where not many people were using computers and things because they're magically, uh, in this day and age of security, internet and web security and technological security, it's absolutely bullshit. They could not foresee that Martin Brundle was going to put a password on the computer to stop them from accessing the files to make the teleporters work. That is absolute bullshit. How could they not? I, it's just beggar's belief, isn't it? Mind you, although 1989, 1988, whenever this was filmed, kind of late 80s era, I mean, sure, maybe. Just looking at it now in, in 2021 is just absolute bullshit. It's ridiculous. You don't buy it for a second. And on top of that, to so then put in a way, so if the, the password 
it's wrong. <laughs> then delete everything on the computer. It's just, oh, wow. It just shows you how far technology's come within the last 30 years or so. You know what? Actually, he is the highlight of the film. So our man here, Stathis, <laughs> he is just pulling out his pun game towards Martin, saying, oh, I, the man bugged me about Seth Prandle, and oh, it cost me an arm and a foot. And he's literally had it, because he's had his, in the previous film, he had his hand and his foot melted off by Seth Prandle. The man's pun game is strong. We appreciate an angry, slightly drunk man with a strong pun game. <laughs> I think maybe that's kind of what this film was missing, really. It kind of did try to detach itself from the original film. But in doing so, it kind of lost what made the original film so good. So there is a lot of kind of beat for beat things that have happened so far that are very similar to the first film so again Brundle Jr. working on the teleporter pods him you know the iconic shot from the first film of uh, Seth Brundle being in the teleportation pod naked in that pose our man Martin Brundle here has has already done that he did, did that earlier in the film he's then got with a woman that looks vaguely like Gina Davis. They've had really quite awful, awkward sex in the bed. And now he's obviously turning into the, the fly creature. It's it's a it's a shame, really, but I mean I I it's kind of hard to see past ultimately what this film is, and that is essentially 20th century Fox going, hey. We had a hit on our hands with the original fly. We need to capitalise on this. And that's no... That's quite a difficult thing to do because, again, it's the Cronenberg mentality of the the first film was a one and done. There is a precise, there's a precise beginning, middle and end. It's just kind of, like I say, it's hard to see where you would go from the finale of that film. So the finale of the film being that Seth Brundle essentially gets killed by his his love, his, his lover, the Gina Davis character, uh, Ronnie. And, you know, gets his head blown off with a shotgun. And then obviously she, it's alluded to in a scene that she then gives birth to to a child. Which I always took to be metaphorical because a lot of that first film is very much metaphorical uh, to do with uh, a the, you know him turning Seth Brundle becoming the Brundlefly is like a metaphor for aging, uh, possibly for the then ongoing uh, HIV AIDS crisis, possibly at the time when the film was released in nineteen eighty six, and seeing the body deteriorate and things like that. So. You, Seth Brundle reaching his peak, having these, being able to break that that guy's arm in the alley, and jumping really high, and athleticism and sexual prowess. You kind of, you know, it's really hard to what. Basically, what I'm getting at, I'm just kind of rambling now, to be honest, to kind of follow up such a 
film with such a message to follow it up potentially with 20th Century Fox game, we need more money, print money for us, fly franchise. It's kind of hard to do. I think I said it before, and I'm going to say it again. The effects in this film are really, really, really good. So we've had Jeff, uh, sorry, not Jeff. We've had Martin Brundle laying on the sofa in a motel talking to Beth Logan, saying how essentially his body is healing, but uh, uh, physically he's turning into the fly creature monster. And right now they've taken his body back to the back to Bartok, Bartok Industries, and he's hidden like a massive. Cocoon, and you can see his face within the cocoon, and it's really, really quite. It's really gooey and horrible, but at the same time, it's really, really cool looking. The, the, the imagination needed for this is really good. You can kind of see why they tapped up Chris Wayless for for this film, along with obviously having won the Academy Award for best makeup and such on. The original fly you can see why he was tapped for this because honestly the effects work is just on point god damn that's cool that is such a cool effect god damn uh, is, i could be correct in that we're now going full b-movie schlock though <laughs> So Martin Brundle hatching out of the pod, that's fucking amazing. So cool with all the pus coming out of the pod. and That's so cool, that's such a great effect. Let's see how the actual fly monster looks now. Because I remember it looking, the very first time I watched it, I remember it looking somewhat ropey for the time. Here we are. We get our first proper look. Uh, I don't want to call him Brundlefly because that was Seth Brundle. But we'll, we'll call him Marty Fly. Ah, he's going to stroke the dog. Ah. Fly creature stroking the dog. Look. Ah, that's cute. Anyway, let us have a proper look at uh, our boy Martin here. So far, we've only really had glimpses and from what I've seen so far Marty Fly looks really really cool from the very liminal shots we've had of legs and head kind of on its own it's really really creepy looking really cool a lot less shall we say fly like than what was anticipated for the film a lot less fly-like than anticipated for this film, shall we say. Uh, it is really, really cool. It's really sinister. It's, yeah. Again, you can kind of really see why uh, Chris Wayless was absolute, was tapped up for this. Because who better than to direct a, uh, a monster creature feature effectively, which is what this is now turning into, than somebody who worked... With, you know, puppets, animatronics, and that kind of thing. It just makes sense, doesn't it, really? God damn. 
That's fucking cool looking. He's puked on his face with acid. And the guy's just pulled his face off. That's fucking cool, man. Jesus, it's horrible looking, but God, that's fucking cool. We're getting into real kind of splatter territory now. Jesus. Memory serves as well. I think one of the main sort of goriest kills in the film is to do with this elevator that the guy's gone up in. He's gone up in an elevator. And I'm sure that somebody gets their head crushed or body crushed to do with the elevator, for sure. Look, the guy's still breathing on the ground with his face ripped off and his face melting. That's so fucking cool. That is so cool. Here we go. Head crushing scene. Come on, give me that head crushing. Come on. Come on. Come on, be close to son. Come on. There's plenty of time for this guy to run away from it, but no. Oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, <laughs> that was horrific and excellent. <laughs> The guy's head just got crushed like a goddamn watermelon. That was beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Damn it. Oh, look at all the viscera on the floor as well. It's all squelchy. <laughs> oh, man. All right, I'm going to admit it. I'm, I, I wasn't sure to start with, but now that we've gone proper full B-movie schlock, I'm really enjoying this. <laughs> Wait, 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 back up. The guy's face melted off, but this other guy gets his hand burnt with the acid and his hand is still attached. What? Inconsistency. I'm annoyed by this. Am I willing to let it go, though? Uh, I think we probably are. <laughs> because at this point, you want all these assholes to die. Because <laughs> everyone's in has been lying to him and been such a shit to him. His whole five, six years, however long he's alive. You, you believe it. Hello. Come on, rip him in half. Rip him in half. Rip him in half. No. Ah, oh, just, just broke his neck. Was that it? He, 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 he got off light. Hmm. Don't well, I don't really know what to make of that ending. Mm. I, yeah, I really don't know. So basically, the ending we just had there was Martin getting in the teleportation booth with. Uh, Mr. Bartok and then coming out basically as himself again and then Mr. Bartok just being a horrible globby mess on the floor and he ends up ending, living in the same cage as the dog eating the gruel off the floor and it kind of stopped there um is it a ha I get I guess it's a happy ending because our hero is no longer afflicted. Uh, 
I've got to try and make some sense of this. So why don't we cut across now to our summation? Because yeah, I I need <laughs> five ten minutes. Oy the Fly 2 has the wonderful honour of trying to not only match expectations, but also try to outdo itself. Does it succeed? That in itself is quite debatable. Is this film worth your time? Well, I guess it depends on how you want to view the film. If you're expecting a deep moving piece, exploring the nature of what it is to be human and the perils of science, you're not going to get that here. What you'll get instead is some good old-fashioned B-movie vibes with a generous dose of blood, gore and lots and lots of pus. If you view this as anything other than that, you are going to struggle. Yes, it's almost a carbon copy of the original film, but it does have its own identity. Somewhere. It's hard to find, I grant you, but when you do see it, it is absolutely glorious. Everyone is doing fine work. Except for maybe Eric Stoltz, who, in certain scenes, manages to turn on the ham and overact to everything. It's a struggle to get right because you are following such a renowned film. But there are moments where, well, for me anyway, the emotional moments hit hard. The moment where Martin effectively mercy kills the Labrador in the pit really got me. Partly due to the amazing animatronics and puppetry on display. Unsurprisingly, they are most excellent, with a real attention to detail, from realistic-looking dazed eyes to a wagging tail. It really sells it. In fact, talking of the effects, they are absolutely outstanding. Hats off to Chris Wallace's team. The attention to detail on the various fly pupae and pods we see are expertly crafted, with small details that even I could, could drink in in a high-definition format. Even Marty Fly looks sufficiently creepy, while managing to get across his humanity in its movements is movie-making magic. Ultimately, if you can view this as a standalone piece of work, there is some fun to be had here. The film knows exactly what it is, that being a creature feature with a hint of revenge. Yes, you do have to sit through a lot of the same beats as the previous film, but I imagine that's just the studio enforcing their will onto the writers and director. However, there is enough here to keep you entertained for the runtime. It's surprising how much love and care was taken to craft this film for a film that arguably shouldn't exist. Perhaps this was just an exercise in studio green, but that doesn't mean that you can't make something good out of it. If you're willing to look past its flaws, The Fly 2 is worth a look. Just leave your bug spray at the door. Thank you very much for listening. Do you agree? Disagree? What do you think is Jeff Goldblum's greatest role? Why don't you get in contact with us? We're over on Twitter as at anyone podcast. We're also on Facebook. Just search for us and you will find us. Longer rants, rambles and considerations can be sent via email to anyoneforseconds at gmail.com. We're also on Twitch. We stream over there every now and again. www.twitch.tv forward slash anyone podcast. Don't forget to leave us a like, rating, review on your podcast platform of choice as it helps us grow the podcast and we can reach more ears and infect them. Don't forget to tell your friends about this podcast if you think they may like it. We're trying to do a whole thing here, so go on, give them a nudge. This time, everyone else has been making fly puns in all of the reviews and such. Do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to leave you 
with a song by a band called Flyleaf. Because, because, fly? Ah, ah, oh, I hate myself. Anyway, thanks again. Stay safe. You got this.